Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about a cockatoo that proves humans aren't the only animals who can dance and a trick for reducing anxiety and getting along better with others with some help from authors Gabriel Weinberg and Lauren McCann. We'll also answer a listener question about what would happen if the world went vegan. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Believe it or not, sometimes we can learn something from viral videos online. All the way back in 2007, one of the first viral videos pretty much ever featured a cockatoo named Snowball, who danced along to the Backstreet Boys classic, Everybody, Backstreet's Back. That video is now helping scientists understand the evolutionary underpinnings of dance. That's because one of the six and a half million people who watched the video was neurobiologist Anirudh Patel. He felt the bird may be demonstrating a skill we've never seen in a non-human animal before. And he envisioned an experiment to figure out whether Snowball was dancing from his soul or just playing parrot. So for a paper in 2009, Patel and his team produced 11 different versions of Snowball's favorite Backstreet Boys hit with varying tempos. They found that Snowball stayed on beat about 25% of the time, which might be a disappointing number if it comes from that hottie you're crushing on at a nightclub on a Saturday night. But for a bird, the results were statistically significant, suggesting that Snowball's dance wasn't happening by chance. Because of this, Patel's team dubbed Snowball the first confirmed non-human dancer. And the work didn't stop there. Another study from 2009 looked at videos of lots of dancing animals to try to find a common thread. And they found that the most capable dancers are animals capable of vocal mimicry. Mostly parrots, but some elephants. Yes, elephants can mimic sounds they hear. So while you might expect that we humans share our dancing gene with monkeys and apes, that's actually not the case. Our closest genetic relatives were left out of the dancing picture. For a study published in July this year in Current Biology, Patel and his team found a few other factors that go into the types of animals that can really boogie, including the ability to learn complex vocal patterns, pay attention to and imitate movements, and have a tendency to form long-term social bonds. A combination of all those traits is somewhat rare in the animal kingdom, but we still have a lot to learn about the ones that do have them. And we know that one reason people dance is to bond with others. So for their next research, the scientists plan to figure out whether Snowball prefers a partner or just likes to dance to the beat of his own drum. We all fall into the trap of overthinking something someone says. Whether you're in a meeting with a coworker or you're texting your significant other, misinterpreting people can really get in the way of your happiness and productivity. Fortunately, our guests today have some suggestions for how you can communicate better. Gabriel Weinberg is the CEO and founder of DuckDuckGo, the internet privacy company and private search engine. And Lauren McCann is a statistician and researcher who's published articles in medical journals, including the New England Journal of Medicine. They wrote the new book, Super Thinking, the big book of mental models. And it's a fun, illustrated guide to every mental model you could possibly need. One of those models is called Hanlon's Razor. And here's what Gabriel told us about it. Hanlon's Razor is, is kind of this idea that when you get a, a text from your friend and it just is like a one-word text or two-word text, like the, the, the canonical OK text, you, a lot of people or most people immediately think, oh, man, are they blowing me off? Are they upset with me? And the, the most common reason is nothing to do with that. It's just that they're in a hurry. Um, they may be like trying to drive or go somewhere and they just, you know, we're quick in the text. And so Hamlin's razor is really a yeah, Occam's razor, which is the simplest answer, usually the true one applied to people. And it says, before you go accusing people of things, 
you should give them the benefit of the doubt and at least have one opportunity to say, hey, what's going on with you before you kind of basically ruin the relationship. They're launching trust. to accusations. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it really helps at work because, you know, people are busy and people send communications and we're doing more over chat and asynchronous uh, text communication. And so this is literally coming up all the time at work. And so if everyone kind of stuck to this, which we try to do in our culture, it makes for a much more productive work environment. Do you have any tips regarding how to stick to it? Some of these tips are kind of maybe easy to think about in principle, but then applying them or actually keeping them top of mind can be a little bit more difficult. So do you have any strategies for applying these concepts? Yeah, they often have like sister concepts that help is something called the most respectful interpretation, um, which we use MRI for short. And it's literally a buzzword around our company. And it says literally when you see something, Think about what is the most respectful interpretation of that act and adopt that. And you can ask yourself, is that the most respectful interpretation? Um, and if it's not, you can think, well, what is? It's almost like, again, like a forcing function to force you to get out of that emotional response. There's another um, bias out there called the self-serving bias. And that bias is basically that we're more likely to make excuses for our own bad behavior, but attribute negative reasons for other people's bad behavior. And so the idea is that is just, you know, to try to kind of push you into thinking, how about I treat other people's how, how I want to be treated, the standard golden rule. Yeah. And, and is that bias part of the, the five whys model? That's the other thing I kind of wanted to ask about that regards people's motivations like to get to the root cause of a problem. Yeah. So the five whys is, is an interesting um, model it, it, trying to get below the surface. And so, you know, you may get a response from someone about, you know, why they're doing something and you may not be convinced that, that that's their real reasoning. And um, asking more questions is always a way to to try to get to the bottom of things. We joke around, we're, we're parents, that it's, it's like a, a child that says, why, why to every answer <laughs> that you say. But sometimes that can actually be really productive at, at understanding, you know, the root cause things because ultimately if you focus on just the surface you may you may uh, treat a symptom but but not actually cure a disease got it so you want to get to the root of the problem are there any other major takeaways that you have noticed work really particularly well at your company Gabriel yeah I mean I think the meta takeaway is you know not just to trust your gut and intuition and you know not be reactive and so when faced with a decision you know, there is a sliding scale about how kind of important or irreversible a decision is. But the more irreversible it is, the more you want to slow down and really try to apply, you know, these models, but in general, analytical thinking, where you're not just doing the first thing that pops into your head. Yeah, I don't think the first thing that pops into most people's heads is ever the right thing to say, necessarily. <laughs> So remember, before you decide that your colleague who messes up your projects is out to sabotage you, consider Hanlon's Razor for an alternative explanation. Again, that was Gabriel Weinberg and Lauren McCann, authors of the new book, Super Thinking, the Big Book of Mental Models. Find links to pick up the book and more in today's show notes. We got a listener question from Lahari, who wants to know what would happen if all humans turned vegan? Great question, Lahari. This is kind of a complicated thing to answer because so much is involved with what we eat. There's the agricultural industry, sure, but there's also culture, nutrition, food waste, the economy. It's a lot. So it's no wonder that different studies come to different conclusions about this, depending on which pieces of the puzzle they examine. Like, take greenhouse gas emissions. 
Food production accounts for a quarter to a third of all man-made greenhouse gas emissions worldwide. And most of that comes from the livestock industry. A 2016 study found that if the world went vegetarian, it would cut those emissions by 63%, 70% if we all went vegan. Okay, but what about nutrition? Well, that same 2016 study found that going vegan could prevent more than 8 million deaths by the year 2050. A big chunk of that comes down to the reduction in red meat consumption, while the rest is thanks to eating more fruits and vegetables and fewer calories overall. But that's assuming everyone can get the food they need, which isn't even true right now. There are more than 2 billion undernourished people on the planet, and it's a plain fact that animal products contain more nutrients per calorie than plant-based staples like wheat and rice. You'd need a good replacement, and that could get costly. But let's be realistic. The planet doesn't have to go vegan to make a big impact on their health and the environment. That same study I was talking about also found that if the world just followed global dietary guidelines, which basically means less meat and more fruits and veggies, that could mean a 29% reduction in food-related greenhouse gas emissions and 5.1 million fewer deaths by 2050. I will stress again, red meat is the biggest culprit here in terms of both human health and the environment. If you're looking for the best way to do your part, you could go vegan or vegetarian. But if that's too much, just try cutting red meat from your diet. Your health and the planet's health will thank you. Let's recap what we learned today. Today we learned that some animals can dance, and researchers are working on figuring out why. And that you should assume people mean the best when you get an email or a text message. Don't assume ill intent. And that the whole planet going vegan could really help everyone's health and the environment. But you could probably just cut out red meat for starters. Definitely cut out shark fin soup. Definitely. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious.